0: Um, But today, um, this is going to be a tough message um, for me um, and what I'm about to speak on. And I I hope and I am confident that you will see my heart in uh, what I'm about to speak to you about today. So a few weeks ago, Pastor Jim and I were at Starbucks for some coffee and conversation. Usually the conversation eases into a spiritual one. But that day it happened rather quickly as he asked me, what I was going to preach on next, I was honestly caught off guard, and so was my resp- so my response was, "Well, I have no idea. I haven't thought about it." He then told me to think about it, and our conversation moved on. Pastor Jim went on to talk about his three three hundred pound bench press and his forty inch vertical, while I sat and listened. If you missed that, it was a joke because he actually he actually benches four hundred. <laughs> yeah. As our talk continued, uh, he would ask me another question that would catch me off guard again. He asked me, Brian, what can we do for young people? My immediate thought was of gratitude and honor. Um, I was honored that he would ask me such a question, and I was very thankful as well. After I regained my bearings, I I then began my answer with this. Pastor Jim, a few weeks ago, I wanted to talk to you about something, and it has everything to do with the question you just asked me. I gave my answer and he responded with, well, there's your sermon. Here's two Sundays to choose from. Let me know what your schedule is and we'll go get her done. (laughs) So today I stand here and we'll address the question Pastor Jim asked me and I will answer it all the more. So here's the question. What can we do for kids specifically here in this area? I don't know if there's a topic I could ever speak on that would be more closer to my heart than what I'm about to share with you today. I've asked God to help me speak from my heart during this time, so bear with me if my emotions ever run rampant. Today I come to you not as a preacher. Today I instead stand before you in the courtroom of God to testify as a witness. I'm a witness against the things of this world, and I am a witness to what I believe has rocked the lives of kids in America today. I've lived and worked with young people all over this country, no matter where I go or what I do with youth. It's the same story all over again, just a different town and a different job. The story is always the same, and it always saddens my heart. It saddens me to the point of anguish. Yes, anguish. The pain has often been so deep that I don't know what to do with the things I've seen and experienced. I remember years ago being in an argument with my wife where I lost control of my emotions and it had nothing to do with her. She asked me what was really wrong and I remember grabbing a piece of paper and a pen and instantly drawing a picture of me with a child. In that picture, I wrote these words. I just want to help you. I then wrote the child responding with a simple F-U. You can fill in the blanks. And I tell you it happened so quick and so fast that I almost don't remember drawing it. It was an expression of my deep, deep anguish and pain, but it was also an expression of my heart for young people. It was because of these deep feelings that I was carrying a weight that was becoming too hard to bear and I didn't realize it. I just kept going trying to change the world that I'd felt got so many things oh so wrong. The pain has since been healed and now I'm only left with scars and a burden. A burden I gladly carry because I believe it's God's burden. It now yokes me with him. It now yokes him and I together as he leads me in this life down roads where change can truly happen. So with that said, I begin today... With why I've been called as a credible witness before you all by God. I am credible. I'm a credible witness because I have seen and experienced so much. I've spent nearly all my adult life working with youth in a variety of circumstances. God gave me this calling rather quickly after my salvation. It is by those experiences that I have endured being called every name in the book, being screamed at, kicked, punched pushed and spat on. I've been in riots, foot chases, and I've had to disarm kids with weapons. And things, I've had things thrown at me. My life and my family's life's threatened on numerous occasions. I've seen, more, seen, seen some of the most violent actions a human being can do, is, and this was all with young people. I can never tell you in words the things I've endured from the very people I was continually trying to help. While my career has brought me much pain, I do not tell you these things to elicit sympathy from you, but to establish myself as a credible witness. To give more credibility to my claim, I want to briefly give you true examples of such experiences. As a college student, I was called in the inner cities of Chicago, where I volunteered smack dab in the middle of the ghetto with inner city impact. It was there I saw the fear the poverty and dangers that kids faced every single day in a city that reeked of death and crime. It was there I saw inner-city impact do their best to use volunteers and workers (coughs) to reach kids that had little hope of one day ever becoming more than what they saw every day on the streets. It was there this ministry tried to help kids defy the odds and get out of the darkness that held them deep in bondage every day. It would then be at Snake River Juvenile Detention Center just down the road here in Twin Falls that I would take my first real job and opportunity to work with kids. It was there I would often have to hold kids down and keep them safe from themselves or from hurting others. It was there I saw a young man attempt to gnaw at his own wrist because he wanted to end his own life. It was there as a supervisor I had to make the decision to stay out of restraints with one particular girl because we realized that her heart and mind had become so twisted by the world around her that she would act out so just, just so I would have to touch her. It was there my sensitivity to loud noises would begin as night after night I would have to endure the pounding of metal doors and screaming as I locked, locked down kids that were a danger to themselves and others. It was then in the wilderness of Oregon I took a job to work with at-risk youth in the middle of nowhere to try and give them the tools to become self-sufficient as their life of rebellion and crime had not given them any. Would be there, I would have to restrain a child for over two and a half hours as he continually tried to run away into the vast wilderness. It was in such a restraint my own strength began to fail as I had to do most of it alone. My backup was hours away, and we had no contact with them, even if we wanted to. Well, I did have two staff members, members with me. I lost them both. One shoulder got ripped out of socket while trying to help me, and the other's courage failed him due to his own fear. Would be then in Indiana, I would return to corrections at Pearson Woods Academy Juvenile Detention Center. It'd be there, I'd see first, real evil firsthand. One day I was asked to do a new intake of a new juvenile that we were taken into custody. As he arrived, I sat him down and began the intake process with him, which entailed a lot of questions. As I was about to begin, he would first ask me a question of his own. The first words out of his mouth were simply this. Can I go outside and play with the other kids? In that moment, I had to hold myself together as I began to understand a new reality of evil. While this appears as a simple question on the surface, it told a story that was much darker and deeper than the question itself. 24 hours prior to this, this young man had groomed two 12-year-old boys over a course of time to help him shoot and kill his stepfather in his own house while his mother was in Florida. This young man had no remorse, no regret, to the point that he couldn't even begin to understand the reality of what he had just done. It wouldn't be long after that they would take a a job In a sexually maladaptive unit for boys. It was there I saw potential depths of depravity in children. It was there I would spend my time monitoring kids who knew no bounds in their desire to become sexually stimulated. It is here that boys would welcome other boys, assist them, share belongings with them, befriend them, and even stand up for them, only to later demand sexual repayment for their assistance. I now fast-forward to today, where I work at a local elementary school here in Twin Falls as a security officer. Let that sink in right now. I work in an elementary school as a security officer. The school district has wisely hired people in every school to be proactive against active shooters. While this is the cause for my position, I now find my position all the more necessary not because of what might come from the outside of the school, but because of what is happening on the inside. I'm telling you now, I've seen in an elementary school many of the things I saw in the jobs I just talked about, and I am one of the, in one of the better schools in the area. In my year and a half at the school, I have been kicked, punched, spat at, screamed at, cursed, and I've had a variety of things thrown at me. In fact, I can think of three kids right now that have done all these things to me on their own, to take it even more to heart to take it even more in. these kids are a second grader, a first grader and a kindergartner. I also have had engage in foot races as kids have ran from the school campus on multiple occasions. In one of those instances, it took nearly two and a half hours in a search party to find them. The behavior of kids has gotten so disturbing that we literally have a room that has been made to isolate them from other kids. This room resembles what once could only have been found in a detention center. I tell you folks, it's bad. It's really bad. And I ask, what are we doing about it? We are nationally sticking our heads in the sand just hoping God or someone else will magically make it all better when the fact is God himself has called us to stand up and stand firm with the knowledge He's given us. But we instead turn a blind eye to it all because we love our comfy lifestyles and we by no means want them interrupted. We know the risk and have counted the cost and the end result is I don't want to lose the temporal security for the eternal calling God has for me. So we continue on resisting the very things God is trying to tell us because our own change, change requires a step of faith. I tell you, church, our world, our country, and our city is crumbling beneath us because we only talk about the things that are wrong while doing absolutely nothing about them. It is upon this cho- choice that we have a generation coming up that is so much worse than the ones before. I'm truly scared of what I now see in the average kid. So you might ask, "What is it, Brian? What have we done so badly that has created such a problem?" And I will gladly tell you my answer. My answer is birthed by the pain of inexperience of the things I just shared with you. My answer crosses all boundaries, all barriers, and no one is immune to the devastation that is bred by what I'm about to tell you. The fact is, the simple, or the fact is, this this decision is simply to undo what God has brought together. We no longer practice the institution Paul said is symbolic of Christ and his church whatsoever. The family unit today looks nothing like what God intended. It is virtually everything but that. Marriage is quite simply the greatest institution a man and woman can ever partake in. It is committing yourself to another just as passionately and firmly as you would Christ. But may, there may lie the problem. We commit ourselves to one another in marriage like we commit ourselves to Christ. Maybe this institution is falling apart because we look at our spouse just like, just like we look at Jesus. Heck, many people don't ever get in the actual marriage party anymore because they just want to commit from a distance and in the end have a way out. This too sounds like how we view God. I'll stand on the outside and kind of act like Christ and I are together, but I don't want to go in, all in just in case I find someone or something better. Because of this view, this new norm, we have abandoned love so deeply that we don't even recognize it anymore. We have no idea what it is. We have no idea that love always begins with a commitment. I choose to love you no matter how you feel about me, and I'm committing to do that until God calls me home. As a Christian, we can always find the strength to to go all in with our spouse because Christ first loved us. God continually pursues us, giving us everything we need for life and godliness. Therefore, I can always continue to love. We have instead exchanged our love of God and love for people, for the temporal things of this world that make us happy. Because of that, Christians are now, now have a worldview that says, I can leave my spouse. They are not making me happy. Understand this. God is not concerned with our happiness half as much as he's concerned with our obedience. For some of you, that may startle you, but you need to understand that everything that is truly good comes from from obedience to God. If you want to be happy, you can only find it through obedience to the author and creator of your life. If happiness is found in any other place, it will always be temporal. Obedience to God brings a life that understands unconditional love. We, nearly lost, we have nearly lost all these principles, and because of that, we are losing everything. When love is gone, it breeds a chain of consequences the devil takes and weaves into an absolute chaos for everyone involved. Our kids are seeing the very people that should love them unconditionally, not be able to model true love at all within the marriage, within the marriage unit. We have modeled to our kids that if something is becoming difficult, just move on and find something else that isn't. This model creates kids that get caught up in their own pursuit of anything that will make them happy and is then magnified all the more by technology. The frightening thing to me is that our children's own pain then enhances the very thing we as parents have modeled to them, which is life that is set on empty and an empty pursuit to find things that make us feel happy no matter where we may find it. This is incredibly unfortunate because God did not design us to function this way whatsoever. Our design is simply to love and be loved and is that way because that's exactly who God is. You are called to love God and your neighbor, and guess who your neighbor is? It's anyone you come into relationship with. Guess what our deepest relationship should be outside of Christ? It's simply our spouse. If we are to love our neighbor, I assure you, your spouse falls into that category all the more. Even if yourself were never loved by your spouse, it wouldn't justify you to not give love back. Again, this is possible because he first loved you, and it never has stopped. We can, all fi- we can find all our human needs and desires in him if we let him. Just imagine for a moment if God gave up on you. Thankful he doesn't, but just imagine it for a moment. Imagine if you were struggling with your own commitment to God, so because of that struggle, God decided to go ahead and move on and find someone else that was better for him. What if God told you, I want somebody who will love me better than you do? I don't want to waste my time on you as you're working through your rebellious ways because it causes me too much pain. I will just move on. God will never do such things. I know he wouldn't because I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. While God himself has modeled this to us as a father, we have failed to translate it in our own lives and families. I tell you, Christian, the broken family is destroying our generation and nobody even wants to talk about it. With that said, I want to break it down even more for you and how it all works as I've seen it a thousand times. Remember, mod- marriage models Christ's relationship with the church. Guess what happens when it all falls apart, apart or on some occasions never gets Started. It shows the child that I cannot trust God or anyone else to find my security. Therefore, I must rely on me and me alone. This happens because the institution that is called to model it—excuse me—because the institution is called to model it neither gets started or end up, ends up falling apart. Now, you might be like, well, Brian, well, that sounds pretty extreme. But I ask you, does it? Do you know the the first and perhaps most important place a child finds out who God is? Their father. You know why? Because God designed it that way. Who is Christ in the marriage relationship with the church? He is the husband who is the reflection of the Father. Everything your father is will have an effect on your view of God, and if you've never realized it, you'll never overcome it. I tell you, this is true, and you just have to ask yourself two questions to understand what I'm talking about. The first one is this, what do I think about my earthly father? And the second one is, is, who do I believe God is? I can almost guarantee you that if you've never asked yourself those two questions, you will find the similarities... In both of those answer, answers, astounding. If your father's was, was distant, you just might believe God is distant. If your if your father was never around, especially when you needed him, yes guess, guess what? You'll never really learn to rely on him. It's an intense thing, and I've only scratched the surface. This equation is, equation is incredibly complicated, but we can safely say so many of the decisions we make. We're bred by the environment we grew up in. Now guess where we learn how to relate to God is our mothers as she resembles the church. My mother is distant, angry, bitter, or gone. It affects my relationships with others and how I view them. I will distance myself from others for my safety or strive to control relationships by manipulation. I've learned that I could not and should not Connect with anyone because if I do, I'll be put in a place of vulnerability and my only recourse will be to run. While there are levels in all this in which a child reacts, I can still guarantee you that there are always consequences in the broken family. Those consequences I've felt personally as if I had to intercede so many times for Jesus when I tell kids this. I know you don't feel it. I know you don't understand it, but God loves you unconditionally more than you can ever imagine. I can't tell you how many times the response has been, I'm sorry, Brian, but I just don't believe that. We can't quite simply have bred a generation of young people that do not know God or the things he has done for us. I tell you right now, the generation that is coming is the scariest. They truly do not know God of the things he has done for us. So maybe you're saying, Brian, I hear you, I see it. What can we do to counter all this? And I would have to tell you that I've been asking myself that question for years. I've spent a career trying to find that very answer. How do we reach kids, especially in this day and age? I've wrestled and struggled. I feel like, I have lived a life of just putting out fires with a few stories of redemption through it all. About six weeks ago, I still didn't have a real answer, but now I do. While I've just laid some heavy stuff on you, I want to give you the answer that I've found. The answer is this, and it's quite simple. The answer is you, Heritage Alliance. It is the model that God has laid on Pastor Jim Hart to set as a foundation for this church. Christ is constructing a building that is set on a firm foundation that can withstand the attacks of the devil. He's been building a church that can reach kids and families the right way and the way that is needed in this day and age. The intergenerational church is needed now more than ever. We have to strive to keep every family that comes through that door together and we have to model that it can't be done. I don't find it ironic that this church's population is an older generation as I believe you still hold the keys to holding the family together. You are living proof that it can be done and it can be done for a lifetime. We also have to show the, wor- the, the world the unity of the body of Christ and how we function together as one which is another strength of this church. We need to show the world that no matter your age, we serve our God side by side, and we hold up one another in everything we do. There needs to be no more separation. There's only one body that works together, and it has many parts. I tell you, I see it now. We are the answer, and God has done a mighty thing here. We at Heritage Alliance are an intergenerational church, and we are proud of it. We are not only proud of it, we model it, and it is our calling card. We function as one no matter your age. I tell you, we need to wear Heritage Alliance as a badge of honor, not to place ourselves above any other church, but to show the world that we really do love people, and we strive to keep our church body together. Personally, I've never felt more loved in any other church than I have here. I know for the first time in my life that I am not alone. I have, now have people that I can trust, and that is a great treasure to me. I know that if I need someone to go to war for me in prayer, I talk to Vernon Debbie Latin. I know if I need someone to intercede for an, an event through inner prayer, I can call on Gail. If I need to share my heart for the loss and missions, I can just talk to Wayne. If I need to hear the power of the testimony of the Word, I just need to listen to Pat quote a Bible verse. I know if I need to seek inspiration, I look no further than Josh Spooner on the trumpet. I know if I need to understand my own flesh and break down its strongholds, I can go to Pastor Cliff. If I need encouragement or passion, Of heart, I just need to hear the heart of Mac. If I need a Bible scholar or an amen, all I need is Gary or Bill. Amen, (laughs) that's right. If I need an example of evangelism and fortitude, all I need is the bunches. If I need a hug, I can call on Reba. (laughs) If I have a question about anything at my house, all I need is Dave and Dan. If I need a good laugh, I told you I'd call you out, buddy. If I need a good laugh and continue cycle of sarcasm, which I truly appreciate, I just look for Mart. <laughs> if I need confirmation that my family is in the right church, I look no further than Trent and Nicole. If my kids need to feel the love of Jesus, all I need to do is send them to Patty, Gretchen, and all the other volunteers downstairs. If I need to be sharpened like an iron in preparation for any spiritual war, I just need some coffee with Pastor Jim. And lastly, if I need a belief that the intergenerational church can work and be successful, I look no further than Emma. Emma, you might not even know it, but the things I've already seen you do in this church are a sign of God's movement, ordainment, and affirmation that the fact is, yes young people can serve and have an impact in that service in the body of Christ. I've seen you already take part in multiple service opportunities as you've quietly done whatever it is that is asked of you. And I want you to know that I'm truly blessed by it. I'm blessed by you all. And I truly love each and every one of you. I say, church, you are the answer, and God wants to present you to this community. But to be presented, we must be willing to step out. We must be willing to feel pain, fear, rejection, and the like. We must embrace the unknown and believe God will provide along the way everything else that we will need. We must know that we might lose friends, jobs, and coworkers. We must know that we might lose it all. Heritage, it is time to move out of the crowd and be willing to go up on the cross because that is where Jesus is, and we want to be wherever he is, even if it's in a place of great pain and sorrow. We must be be ready to deliver a message of our Jesus, who is worth everything. This Jesus, I will fall into the depths of hell on earth because I want to be wherever he is, no matter the cost. This Jesus I will stand for and love, despite the whole world coming against me, because i rather keep my soul than gain the entire world. I tell you, we now live in a world, a country, and a region that needs real warriors. Warriors that are trained, warriors that, who are equipped in love and humility. Warriors that wage war with the weapons of truth, knowledge, and authority. Warriors that understand prayer as our most powerful option Against the enemy, and warriors that can see the bigger picture and wait patiently as God works. We need warriors that know how to listen to the Holy Spirit and then act upon His direction rather than running in retreat. And finally, we need warriors that are not concerned with a feeling, but are in a relentless pursuit of Jesus. Heritage, if we do this, God will bless you and this community greater than you could ever imagine as your love for God grows and you begin to see people as he does. You must understand this principle, though, that Jesus loves all mankind and sets his heart on every individual. No matter who comes through the door, we strive to love them and show them the same grace that has been given to us. I believe God will bring the poor in spirit, the broken and the needy. It is then we will not only have a chance to model Christ, but model the family as well as I truly believe this church has it right when it comes to loving each other. The people in this community need to see that God can hold a family together, and he can also mend the broken ones no matter the circumstance. Kids need a place of security, structure, and consistency where they feel loved and appreciated by all. We can be that church. We can be it. While I know we are not perfect, I believe this church knows how to love people no matter who they are or what they have done. I know this because it's what you have done for me. I came to this church as a broken vessel, lost in my pain and sin. You, however, gave me food, for I was hungry. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. And you did this because you were doing it for Jesus. Let me not not be the only one you have done this for. My life has radically been changed. And we can do that for so many more people. We just now have to act and watch and see as Christ move all the more in our own lives and the lives of those around us as well. Thank you,